The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, everybody. 2012, a new year, and of course, lots of great things happening in baseball. We've been talking about it every week. Our first show of 2012, and of course, it has been a crazy offseason, crazy winter meetings, and the team's making some bold moves, making some big things. And today on our show, we're going to have two different guests, that two teams who have made some big moves and made some different things, and one of them is going to be the Los Angeles Angels starting center fielder, Peter Borjos, who will be joining us in just a minute. And the other will be Larry Million, who's the new host of the Sports Animal on 940 Wins uh, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, of course, we'll be talking to the Marlins. And I've got to ask Larry if he was down there with that elephant yesterday to see him take some batting practice, see if maybe we have another prospect on the rise. But one of the things I really loved about this year and and this winter meeting is uh, I was out there Monday and Tuesday, and I just liked the way to watch how these managers and these general managers – play these little games and I was sitting there one night with Sosha and a couple of the guys from the Angels and they were talking and we were talking about maybe CJ Wilson they're like ah oh, no he's a number one starter and we don't really need a number one starter we're not really looking at him not even a mention of Albert Pujols not even a mention of some of the things that happened and you know it, I, I'm just sitting there as myself and as I got back on Wednesday and I'm sitting there and I'm watching the ticker and I'm watching everything happen and I'm all of a sudden I'm seeing these names and as an outsider I'm looking at it going, wow, this is huge. I mean, you know, as a former player, I remember when our teams made these kind of moves, you know, we just kind of sat back and said, holy Toledo, we, you know, our, 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 our organization is making a move here. And, of course, my first guest today is in his second full year this year with the Los Angeles Angels. And uh, I can't imagine, and we're going to ask him, Peter, this is Jim Laird. So we got Peter Borges joining us. Hi, how's it going? Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, like I said, you know, I'm sitting there at the winter meetings, and I'm talking to social and these guys, and they're like, hey, listen, we're not making any moves. We're not doing a whole lot. And then all of a sudden this, uh, I can't imagine you, you know, sitting at your home in Arizona just watching this go on. And what was it like to hear, number one, first, the Albert Poole signing, and what was your reaction to that? You know, I was excited just because, obviously, he's one of the best players in the game and might be of all time when it's all said and done. So it was just to have him a part of this team, and I thought, you know, we're really close to begin with. And now I think that puts us over the top, and, you know, we're going to be right there at the end of the season, and hopefully, you know, we can make the playoffs and get to the World Series with him. And then on top of it, you get C.J. Wilson, which makes the pitching staff that much better than it already was. 
Well, that, that's what's going to be my next question is then you sit there and you see Pujols get signed and the next thing you hear is, okay, that means they must not going to be going after anybody else. They don't have the money after putting that kind of money out. And then they get C.J. Wilson. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you're the center fielder. You're the guy that stands out there. You watch this pitching staff. You, you know, last year with the three guys that you had, you know, with Santana, Weaver, and, of course, Heron, it's got to be a pleasure playing center field, watching these guys every day. Tell me what it's going to be like when they add C.J. Wilson to go out yeah, there every five days knowing that you guys have a chance to win and even shut people out every day. Yeah, it's fun playing behind those guys. They work quick, throw strikes, get ahead of hitters. So, you know, it makes, I think, the defensive job easy. And I think that's why we had a good defense because our pitching was so good. Balls weren't hit as hard. And, you know, it's a blast playing behind Weaver, Heron, Santana. And I can't wait to play behind C.J. Wilson. Just facing him over the last couple of years, I know how good he is and tough to hit and square up. So, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to spring training and getting, getting everything going and working as a team and even meeting Albert Pujols, you know, growing up watching him and just kind of I look at his swing and just because everything he does at the plate. So I'm really looking forward to everything. Yeah, no, I, I read some of your quotes as far as what, you know, having the first day you walk into spring training, you know, it's, it's got to be a little intimidating. A guy like this is big in the game. And, of course, this is, you know, this will be your second full year. You know, listen, you came up two years ago. You know, you had a little rough spirit, spot right there. It was a matter of coming up to the big leagues, getting used to it. You only got 181 bats to, to get yourself ready. This was your first full year. Peter, tell me a little bit about what you learned throughout this first your first full year that you've had, uh, getting 502 at-bats and really getting a chance to, to make, make a change and the changes that, that are necessary for a young player uh, to go out there. Tell me a little bit about what, what kind of growth you had this year. You know, I felt like as the year went on, I started to handle the strike zone a little bit better. I think I still have a little, bit, a little ways to go with that, with walking a little bit more and striking out west. But I think... You know, as the year went on, I made some improvements of laying off pitches that I swing at early in the year, maybe sliders out of the zone that would get me in bad counts. And really just kind of refining my approach to more back up the middle and to right center and sticking with it and trusting it. I think when I first got called up here before in 2010, I didn't trust my approach. You know, I was, oh, there's games where I'd be like, I feel like I belong here. And then there'd be games where, you know, I didn't have a good game. I was like, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I. You know, there was maybe a confidence thing, and you know, after the season, I played winter ball. Went to, I went down to Dominican and played for about a month, and then came in the spring training, and I felt a lot more confident coming in that year, spring training, and then carried through the year. So I think being able to trust myself and trust my abilities, that was probably one of the bigger things that I learned this year. Now, tell me a little bit about this offseason so far. You've been working out a little bit, and I, I, I was reading a little bit about you and talking about how. You made some adjustments at the plate, and some of the things that you do as as a young player, getting used to seeing this pitching and seeing this stuff. You, you were talking about flattening out your bat. Yeah. Have you been really working on that a lot this off season? Yeah, I did. You know, I started that in June. Mickey Hatcher, when we were in Seattle, called called me in the office and said, "Hey, you know, why don't we try this?" And I said, "Yeah, well, you know, makes sense." I had been kind of scuffling a little bit, and you know, might as well might as well try to make a change. So went in the cage, worked on it, took it in the game that night, got a hit, and then continually <clears throat> just kept getting more comfortable with it. And by the end of the year, it felt natural to me. And I and now I started hitting about a week ago, and it's almost like I picked it up a lot easier than I usually do. It just feels like the bat stays in the zone a lot longer. 
Now, what does this do as far as you feel like it takes away any of your power? Are you still able to, you know, 12 home runs for a leadoff hitter is, is, is pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I feel like my power is right there. I almost feel like I'm driving the ball better. I think I'm making more consistent contact because the bat's in, this, in a good position to hit. It's already almost in the slot, kind of. All you got to do is start my swing, and, and, you know, I can wait a little bit longer. I don't have a lot, whole lot of wasted movement. I feel like I'm a lot shorter and quicker to the ball. So I feel, especially in batting practice, I've been driving the ball a lot better than I had in years past. And, you know, hopefully that carries over in the game. And if it doesn't, oh, well, just as long as, you know, I can, I can keep getting my hits and driving the ball to right center. Right. No, exactly. I mean, like I said, for me, I think for your situation, it's just a matter of getting used to seeing the pitching every day. I know, you know, unless you're a guy that grows up around the game, like a Ken Griffey Jr. or somebody like that, that, you know, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I know the first couple times in my first year, or my second year, when I step on the mound and I'm facing Roger Clemens and I'm facing Randy Johnson and I'm a little intimidated until I realize yeah. and I get to see, wait a minute. These guys are just like me. They're competing on the same field as I am. And then you learn to relax a little bit more. Do you feel like this year you're going to be able to do that a lot more? Yeah, I think so. I went through that a little bit last year and a lot when I first got called up. Almost I gave everybody too much credit, you know. And obviously they're, they're some of the best pitchers in the world. You know, every single one of them in the big leagues, many given night, can throw a no-hitter. It's a, that kind of stuff. So I think you obviously give them your credit, but you also know that you belong there and you can hit them. And I think it's a confidence thing almost. And just like there's the fastball, the fastball, curveball, the curveball, it's basically a location of it. And I think that's the difference between the minor leagues and the big leagues. Is in the big leagues, they throw consistently and a good spot where a hitter can't really hit it or put a good swing on it. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it. Plus, I think in, in the minor leagues, it's it's hard to set up pitchers, and even even when pitchers go down on a rehab assignment, it's hard for them to set up hitters because it's just there's a just different mindset at the minor league level and at the big league level. It is all about making adjustments and making changes. So, yeah. I think this this year you'll be you know you'll have a lot more experience underneath your your hat. But you know, one of the things I always like to look at too oh, is the stories about getting caught up to the big leagues about, you know, just about your, how you went about it. And I found it really interesting reading some of your bio stuff and your dad's a scout for Baltimore, correct? Yeah. Yes. Now he's at the Padres. He just switched this winter. So. Okay. He just switched. Now when you, when you signed, did you, you know, was he looking at you? Was he trying to get you signed? He wasn't really, cause he was, he was, a, he did all major league stuff. Okay. He didn't really have to scout me, but I know a lot of like a lot of his friends came and saw me play quite a bit. So he was he was kind of out of it, but he handled everything. He was kind of I guess like my agent when it came time to signing and everything. Well, and here's what I really found interesting: he was he was a scout for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You you get called up on August third, and who are you playing? The Orioles. Yeah. And you and you get your first hit the next day. Was your dad there that day? Yeah, he was. And my mom actually they flew him out there, and they. When I got called up, the Orioles, his boss called him and said, hey, why don't you come out and see the team play? You can scout Baltimore, you know, this weekend you haven't seen him yet, and then you can watch Pete, too. So I actually flew him and my mom out there to see me play, which was really nice. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's pretty cool. That's a, I always like to hear those stories because that's, that's, I made my debut at the old stadium in Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Okay. And got yeah. my first hit there, too. And my parents were just, just flew in that day, so I got, I got really lucky. That's awesome. I, Let's talk a little bit about 
uh, right now, as far as your situation, I know you went home this off season. You're in Arizona. You're training at a facility. Uh, you had a couple of ailments. You had a couple of groan and a little hip injury. How's that coming along? And uh, you know, I read that about a month ago you tried to run and it wasn't right. You weren't quite ready yet. How's that going right now? It feels really good. Actually, I've been running the past week and swinging the bat a little bit, and it feels probably the best I've had in three or four years. It's, that's something I've always had a problem with my groin and my hip. I never really had. Never really get rehab on or anything during the winter time. This is the first time I kind of addressed it, and you know everything's been everything's been great the past two weeks. Feels good, and, you know. I feel like I could go out and play a game right now. So hopefully it just continues, and you know I should be I'll be fine for the season. Yeah, I mean that's one. Of the, now is this one of the injuries? This more of a nagging injury? Or did you actually really pull it pretty bad? No, I think I think more just nagging. I think a long time ago I hadn't I pulled it. I think maybe my first year after I signed, and then it just kind of. It was always bugging me on and off throughout the season. And then I was able last season to bug me probably the most it had. And I went away in the wintertime. I stopped doing stuff for about two months and then tried to run it again. It just kind of flared back up. But I think hopefully it's gone now. Knock on wood, it's feeling pretty good. Peter, this, like I said before, this was your first year, first full year. Tell me a little bit. I know you, you know, went through the minor leagues. You were the 2010 you know, PCL Player of the Year. In the minor leagues, we're playing 130, 140 games. What was it like for your first full season as far as the 162-game schedule? And just tell people a little bit about, you know, everybody thinks it's easy. You just show up, you just play a game, and you go home. Tell me a little bit about the grind of a 162-game schedule and for your first year, some of the changes that you had to go through. Yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of people think you just kind of show up at maybe 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock at night and go out and play. But we're, I always got to the field about one in the afternoon, hitting the cage and everything, and, and just and worked out. And then I wouldn't leave until probably 11, 11.30 at night. So it's a long day, but obviously it's getting, I'm getting to play baseball, so there's nothing else you know, I'd rather be doing. But I think some of the changes I had to make was probably I had to get up and eat breakfast. That was one thing I never did. Yep. I would always just sleep till about 11, go eat lunch, and go to the field. And this year was the first time I'd get up. I'd have room service or uh, get up and make breakfast if I was at home and probably eat about 8 o'clock and then I'd go back to sleep for a little bit and then have lunch. So I think, you know, just changing changing the way I ate, a little healthier. And then the season, I'd say, I wouldn't say the season dragged on too much this year, I think, because we're in it all the way to the end. You know, that last week of the season, so there's always that adrenaline going of, hey, we got to make the playoffs, got to win this game, and this kind of gave us an extra push to get through it. Right, I think that's I think that's the biggest thing is people don't understand that you know these long flights, you get in there early the next morning. It's not quite as bad as the minor leagues. At the same yeah. time, you're playing you're playing at a whole different level. Tell me a little bit about that difference. What did you feel an extra grind, an extra strain of of competing on that top level? Oh uh, yeah, I think day in and day out, just because it's all about winning. And in the minor leagues, it's not so much stressed about winning. I'd say you have a couple managers that you play for that. It was like that, but maybe more times than not, it was more about development and working on things. So I think every day you're expected to go out there and win. And then if you don't, you have to answer the media. And the media presence is a lot lot more in the big leagues than it is in the minor leagues. You might have one reporter or two reporters a week in your clubhouse in the minor leagues compared to you got 15, 20 every day. So I think after a while it takes a toll on you mentally. But, you know, being in the hunt of it, and I think that's that's the most important thing is we played pretty good baseball most of the year, so that was that made it a lot easier. 
Yeah, you guys were in it to the very. I, I, I believe me. I sat there and watched quite a few of those last few games, and it was rooting for you guys. But hey, listen, I want to take a quick break. But when I come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the outfield situation, and of course, you know everything preparing for 2012. Uh, okay. Can you you can you can stay with me for a little bit longer, can't you? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be back with Peter Borges in just a minute. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports jim lawrence is a two-time world series champion motivational speaker and author of catching heat a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball most people know jim as a man who has always beaten the odds Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And, of course, we have been talking to Peter Borges, of the, the center fielder of the Los Angeles Angels, the new-look Angels, of course. And I'm telling you right now, I moved out here in September, and when these announcements were made during the winter meetings, the radio lines, the TV lines, the fans all of a sudden just started screaming and yelling about what an exciting 2012 season is going to be coming out here. And, you know, Peter, I, I, I was – telling you earlier that i just moved out here from florida and you know i got to see the dream team and uh, for the miami heat with lebron and and wade and bosch and their little escapade not quite as big as a thing here but you know for me when i look at the signing of albert Pujol, cj wilson and how close you guys have been every year and you know this past year especially just going down to the last couple games um i look at the angels Okay, even though the Texas Rangers have been in the World Series the last two years, you guys are now the team to beat 
and it looks like you know, somehow, some way, the ALCS is going to go through you know, Los, the Los Angeles Angels somewhere. How do you feel about that? You know, I hope it does. You know, hopefully we can go out there and do what we're supposed to because we have a good team on paper, and, you know, hopefully we can, we can all stay healthy, play well as a team, and get that far. You know, I think it's important, you know, to go out and work hard in spring training, continue to develop as a team throughout the year and keep getting better. So when it comes to that, we're in the playoffs, and, you know, we're going to be able to make a good push to the World Series. And, you know, things happen. So many things can change in baseball. You just never know. Like the Red Sox, they, they had a great team. They had a pretty good year. And you'd look at it, if they didn't start off the way they did in April and the way they finished, you know, they, they're in the playoffs, and you never know what happens once you get in the playoffs. Things can happen. Teams get hot, and teams get cold. So you just don't know. You just want to go out, have a good year, and hopefully in the end everything that you work towards, you know, happens. Yeah, I think I think one of the things when I look at your ball club, and of course the pitching staff now, is I remember when I played with the Yankees and we had that run through the '90s. The nice thing about it was we knew every five days we went out there, there wasn't going to be a long uh, losing streak because of the staff that we had. And I think you guys have that same type of staff. That I don't think there's going to be any. Don't get me wrong. There are periods where it's kind of like Murphy's Law, where everything goes wrong. But with the staff that you guys have, I think the losing streaks, the 10, the 11-game losing streaks, are pretty much a thing of the past for you guys. Yeah, I hope so. You know, obviously things happen, but with Weaver, Heron, Santana, um, Jerome Williams now too, Jerome, I, don't, I think he's better than a fifth starter, and he's going to be our fifth starter the way he threw towards the end of the year. You know, it's, it's going to be a fun year, and especially playing behind them, I don't think they're going to be giving up too many runs. So it's going to be fun for the defense, and you know now Pujols in the offense. He's going to he's going to be driving in runs left and right. Well, and I, and I think that's a big thing, and I think one of the things that I you know that I watch too is you know the, the big name signings are great, but it's the little guys that that end up you know really making the difference. The the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and I think this year one of the biggest signings that you guys had this offseason was at your catching position with Chris Iannetta. I think he went way under the radar because this is a guy who's got a ton of talent. And I think even though, we, you know, last year all the talk was, why did we get rid of Napoli? Why did we get rid of this guy? And, you know, Mathis is a good catcher, but, you know, when, when you go get a guy like Chris Iannetta, I think this is a guy that's going to sh- surprise a lot of people on what he can bring to this ball club uh, offensively uh, more so than Mathis did last year. Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously Jeff had a tough year behind offensively, good, good defensively on the plate, but, you know, I think Chris is going to be huge you know, offensively for us, getting another, getting another big bat in the lineup with power. And I think I think he was always hitting eighth with the Rockies, right, in front of that pitcher? Exactly, yeah, he was hitting eighth. Yeah. And, so I know, think that's going to help out a lot, getting out of the National League. That's a tough spot to hit in. You know, they're yeah. going to be pitching around you trying to get to the pitcher. So I could see him having a big year for us, hitting a lot of home runs and hitting for a high average, too. Yeah, and I think one of the good things, too, about coming here is, you know, he really had to work with that staff in Colorado because it was a young staff. He's coming here to a bunch of guys that he's going to be able to concentrate more offensively and, yeah. and not so much because, because of the veteran staff that you guys have. And, and, and of course, having Socia here always helps. So. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a, the catching wizard. He's unbelievable. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask him some questions just about catching just to pick his brain, and it's pretty impressive. You know, and that's yeah. Like, such a good manager and obviously was such a good player. 
Yeah, no, he seems like that, that type of guy, and I think most of the guys I've talked to, Tori and all them, that you know, he is a he is a very even though he's very stern and very you know by the book stuff, but he he's very easy to talk to. If you've got something, you know, his door is always open for you guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, let's talk about your situation now. Of course, you know, you see Albert Pujols get signed. Uh, you know, you uh, you know that now Trumbo is going to have to move to the outfield possibly. Uh, and right now, I know he just got hurt, so that might buy some time for some people. Um, but you got guys, you got Tory Hunter, you got Vernon Wells, you got Bobby Abreu, you got Mike Trout. When the when the trade like Pools happens and you see this in your mind, and I know it had to go through maybe a little bit. Did you think, okay, what's going to happen with my situation? Oh, uh, a little bit. You know, I know there's a lot of rumors going out around that I might get traded. I think for a third baseman, that was stuff that was getting floated around there during the winter meetings and. You know, obviously, I'm happy in Anaheim, and I hope I can play my whole career there. But you know, these days, a lot of, that doesn't happen too much, whether because of trade or you get traded or whatnot. And you know, if I get traded, I get you know, I'd probably be a little disappointed that you know I wouldn't get to play there. But obviously, the team wants you. You know, so you know. Well, just so, just, just so you know, just so you know, I was telling you earlier. I talked to Jerry a little bit and. There's, you're not going anywhere. As of right now, he said that this guy's got not going anywhere, uh, and and you can't because, you know, Peter. When I look at you as a ball player, and I watched you play a lot this year, this you your fit with this club, your need is as a is, as a leadoff guy, mm-hmm. and there's nobody else. Even if they wanted to make a change, that could really do what you do. So I think yeah. that's where I think I look I look at your situation, and I, you know, Tori and those guys are getting up there in age. Uh, they've got big contracts. It's going to be hard to get rid of some of those. At the same time, you know, I, I'm like everybody else that's a fan of the Angels when I look at the future because uh, this is who my kids are going to be watching growing up. I look at this team and I say, wait a minute, I've got Peter Borges in center field. I've got the possibility of Mike Trout and maybe Trumbo in an outfield. And I look at these three young players, and I'm talking about the future. I'm not talking about next year and mm-hmm. maybe the next year, year or two to win. But just the future with you guys at that kind of an outfield, I, I think you've got to look up in center field and look either way, even if it's Torrey, even if it's Vernon, even whoever it is, that you've got a, you've got a pretty good outfield uh, for, for next year. Yeah, we definitely do. And I think Vernon's going to have a bounce back here. I think he put a lot of pressure on himself last year. But, you know, playing with both those guys, truly I'm playing with two center fielders. You know, Torrey can still play out there and same with Vernon. And having them in left and right for next year, it's going to be fun, just like it was last year. They helped me out a lot, both of them, kind of tremendous teachers. You know, and Tori, you obviously know about Tori. He's just a tremendous person, same with Vernon. And the way he handled himself through all his struggles last year just showed me that that he is a good person and, you know, truly cares. And then the future is going to, I hope, hopefully that happens with Trout and Trumbo. That'd be a blast. I got to play a little bit with Trout, and he's he's pretty impressive for being only 20 or in 19 for most of the time when he was in the big leagues. Just the approach he has to the plate, it looks like a, almost like a 30-year-old up there, the way he handles himself and the way he takes pitches and works counts. And then on the defensive side, he's unbelievable. He's going to win gold glove after gold glove, I think. Yeah, no, he looked he looked pretty impressive when he came up. And, it, and it, like I said, that, that to me, looking at a young outfield, uh, you guys, that, that that could be pretty impressive if they can hold on to everybody. So, one other guy that we haven't really mentioned yet, and I know you see him pretty much every day when you're going for your rehab and your workouts, 
is Kendry Morales, and I know that this is a big question mark, and this is if somebody, if this guy can come back and just be 80% of the guy that he was the year before he got hurt. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you've seen with him and how is he progressing, and you know, are, you able to, are you able to give me any kind of comment about how, how he's been looking out there in Arizona? He looks good. You know, he's, out, he's throwing and hitting pretty much every day I see him. He's in the cage. Swing looks good. Obviously, he's not facing live pitching. He's just front toss and stuff, but the swing looks str- strong and looks like he's driving the ball, and he's moving around great. He's not limping. He's been running on the treadmill. I think it, almost I think about 90% of his body weight, so he's pretty close to getting out and running and moving around, and you know, he says it feels great. And he, looks, he looks like he's in unbelievable shape, so I don't see any reason why that you know, he won't be playing this year at some point. Obviously, you never know how the ankle is. That was a major injury. But, you right. know, right now it looks like, you know, he's in great shape and he's moving around. He's doing really well. All right. We got about six or seven weeks. You report to Tempe. You walk in there and you walk into that locker room. And the first person you see is Albert Pools. What do you do? I might get a ball and ask for his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's great. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it, that that has got to be something I can't. You know, I I remembered my, you know my first couple of spring trainings and and walking in there and seeing you know the, the the Yankee names and the guys like that and you know like you said just walking in, you you know these guys are playing at the same level you are, but when you have a guy like Albert Pujols who could be probably one of the best five players maybe to ever play this game, uh, it's got to be pretty exciting knowing that you're going to walk into that clubhouse with him every day. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, he's an iconic player, and he's just gonna—he's gonna keep getting better. And he's a huge part of the Angel community, of the fan base. And I think you saw that with all the season tickets and all the tickets that they sold when they signed him. You know, he's gonna—he brings people to the ballpark. Just—he's gonna when he's up hitting, everybody's gonna stop, and they're gonna want to watch Albert hit. You know, that he stops—he stops people in their tracks just to watch him hit, and that's—that's that's something to be said. You know, you don't see that very often. So I'm, I can't wait to meet him and get to see him hit and take BP and watch him work just to see what he what he does on a daily basis that makes him so good. Well, I think that's where you're really going to learn a lot. I remember my first couple years coming up, you know, I was very fortunate. I played with the likes of, you know, Don Mattingly, Wade Boggs. I was in their hitting groups, and I can't tell you how much I learned. And then I got traded to San Diego, and, of course, I had Tony Gwynn how much you do learn from these guys because even though they are you know maybe more gifted than we are as far as athletic ability or something like that the way they will go about their hitting and the way they work it's something that you can really pick a lot up on and i'm sure you're going to learn a lot this year yeah i'm looking forward to it it's amazing that these guys aren't good hitters just on accident you know they work hard and you know they get after it in the cage and in bp and you know they have an idea of what they're doing a pretty good idea and it's like I got to talk to Bobby Brady a lot. I hit his group this year, and, and I'd, he has his lockers right next to mine, so I talk to him all the time. And, you know, just talking to him, it's unbelievable, some of the stuff he passed along. And, you know, just even watching him hit, I was like, oh, his swing is so simple. There's not a lot of movement. And then I started watching a lot of guys, and that's in the big leagues, and everybody's swing is there's not a lot of movement or wasted movement. They're short, quick to the ball. I think that's how you got to be. Well, Peter, I appreciate you joining us. I'm looking forward to seeing you during spring training a little bit, of course, seeing you when you get out here. Is Even as a former player and now a big Angel fan, now that I live out here, uh, I'm looking forward to you guys coming here in 2012. And, and hopefully, like I said, you know, we, we, we look good on paper. It's a matter of going out there and performing on the field. And I think you guys are, are in for a great season, and I just want to wish you the best of luck. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me today. All right, Peter. You have a good one. All right. You too. That was Peter Borges, of course, the Los Angeles Angels center fielder the next year. And, of course, a guy that, uh, after his first full year in the big leagues, has really shown that he isn't going to be a player to be reckoned with and a guy that uh, has a very, very bright future. And uh, I'm hoping I get to see a lot of him play here in, in Los Angeles with the Angels this year. And uh, like he said, this is going to be exciting. He's, they've got made some big moves, some major moves. And uh, a lot of expectations here on the uh, on the West Coast. So, uh, best of luck to him. Best of luck to the Angels. And of course, the next guest that I have coming in will be a, the new host of the Sports Animal on 940 Wins, and that's Larry Million. He'll join me in just a second after this break to talk about the new look Marlins. We'll be back in just a minute. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit nflalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. You heard it, everybody. It's the King's Corner, and yes, I am Jim Layritz. We just got done speaking with Peter Borges of the Los Angeles Angels, the New Look Angels, and of course, what their expectations are for next year. And you know what? With the signings and the money they put out, the sky is the limit. But I want to switch gears again to another team in the National League who has done very much the same thing. Decided to open up their pocketbooks, got a new stadium, got a few things going on down there, and... I don't know how to introduce this guy. I introduced him as a friend because we've been friends for many years. I've been on his show many times. Uh, but also the fact that he, uh, you know, he's, he's really taken to, he's a, he's a Yankee fan displaced in South Florida, uh, but has become a big Marlins fan and, of course, is covering the Marlins and doing a lot of stuff. Uh, he has his own show starting January 9th. It's called the Amigo and Diz, the sports animal, on 940 wins from 3 to 5 p.m. And I want to welcome to the show my friend and 
I think, like I said, one of the. I'm glad to see he finally got his own show. Uh, one of the better radio personalities in South Florida, Larry Million. Larry, welcome to the show. What's going on, Jim? How's everything going, Jimbo? I'm doing good, man. How you been? I'm doing good, man. Working hard, getting ready to start this new show on the uh, on um, well, it's the ninth, but it's Monday from three to five p.m. Uh, you, you know, you can listen to it online nine forty winz dot com and gonna have a good flavor to it. My co-host is also a Brooklyn product like myself, both big Yankee fans, but at the same time, Jim, and I think you actually came on our Saturday show, because we were doing a Saturday show uh, last year together before we uh, made this move together, uh, but uh, there's a lot of flavor there. I'm a Cuban, he's Italian, a lot of emotion there, but we have a common love for South Florida sports, the Yankees, and well, he's a Jet fan, I'm a Dolphin fan, so I, I can just tell you right there alone what's going to it's going to be exciting to uh, to listen to that show a couple of hours every day here in South Florida. Well, you know, Larry, I was down there, of course, for the for the making of the the dream team for the Heat, and of course the, the publicity and the the amount of airtime that it gave us to talk about those things and what happened last year, and of course the expectations not quite as as great as we thought. I mean, they got to the finals, but let's talk a little bit about you know you and I have talked so many times, and we've sat there and we've watched I don't know how many Marlin games. Uh, over the years, and we just kept saying, "Is this team ever going to be more than a, a minor league filler?" You know, basically, you know, giving other big league teams their prospects. We saw Cabrera, you know, we saw Ugla, we saw Cody, you know, all these guys leaving for bigger and better pastures. And I know, Larry, you and I talked about it so many times. Why does this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? Well, you know, for starters, it started happening a lot because of the economy of the game here in South Florida. I mean, they were displaced in the sense that they were playing in a football stadium. And, you know, I have very rampant opinions about how that goes. But the, the sense of it is they were kind of a team playing in a football stadium. They had a hard time getting good crowds. And... You know, South Florida was still a first-generation baseball town. No matter how you want to slice it, the Dolphins are king down here, or a win-lose-or-draw. So baseball being in first-generation mode, despite the two championships, the South Florida fans still hadn't gotten too attached to the Marlins. They'd been displaced a couple times after championships, and that disgruntled fans down here. But now the prospect of a new stadium and what they've done on the offseason, I mean, they went after Pujols pretty strong. They didn't get him, and I actually think that's the best thing that could have happened to them. But in picking up you know, new manager, Ozzie Guillen, and then obviously with Jose Reyes and Mark Burley, and now the deal with the Cubs to get uh, a guy like Carlos Zambrano giving up Chris Volstad, who just hadn't worked out in the Marlins organization, um, I, I see some future, you know, some future growth with this team. And they're in a tough division, but they certainly want to set themselves up to be competitive, and I think they're doing that right now. Well, yeah, and I think that's, you know, that, that's of course the big news today is the signing of Sombrano. And tell me a little bit about what you feel, Larry. You know, I, I know that Ozzie Guillen is a is a is a great manager of, you know, certain personalities, fiery personalities, as he calls them, but. It's one thing to have one of them. He may have four. All right. Do you think he can handle the difference between, you know, he's got so many things that are going to be happening with, you know, Reyes coming in. He's got, you know, he's a fiery guy. He keeps things going. He has a lot of injuries. He has things that happen. He's got Hanley Ramirez, who we pray to God. Well, you know what? Let's just start first. Let's first start talking about what you think. Now, he's got to handle Hanley with that situation. That's going to be the most interesting thing there, Jim, is because Hanley is his own man. And Hanley has never 
met up with much resistance ever since making it, uh, you know, to spring training down here with the Florida, what was then the Florida Marlins, uh, back in 2006 after being acquired well, from. From the from the Red Sox, he's just been he's been doing whatever he wants to do out here, and now he's facing the switching of of position and a competitive situation within the ball club. You know, I don't know how he's going to react to it, and I think a lot of Miami Marlins fans feel the same way. Well, yeah, I mean, I look at this and I say to myself, you know, I, I sat there and watched Hanley, and you know, when Freddie Gonzalez tried to reprimand him, of course, what happened? Freddie Gonzalez got was gotten rid of. I mean, yep. they showed for a little while there that. Hanley was a little bit bigger than everything else that was there, but now you have this personality of Ozzie Guillen, who I think you know is is, is doesn't doesn't give as much credit for knowing the game as much as he does, but also being able to handle players. I see him being able. To, I thought when this first happened, okay, yeah, you know what, he can handle Hanley, he can keep people happy. You know, he's got Reyes coming in, he's got a good ball club. If they win, things are usually a lot easier when you win. But then I see now they bring in Zambrano. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, Zambrano. I think, Larry, I'm, my honest opinion, I think it's a great sign. I think he's. You know what's, what it is, is because the highs are so high with a guy like Zambrano. You know when this stuff is on, when you know his head is screwed on straight. And that's not always the case with him, but when it is screwed on straight, he's, he is unreal on the mound. His issue has been when he's come off screw a little bit. Now, Cubs fans will tell you that he really was damn good with them. And, you know, despite some of the stuff that's perceived by the media, that, you know, they defended him till almost the very, very end. He's a guy that if Avi Guillen can keep in check and get those best performances out of him, he's going to add to an already stout pitching staff that while this Marlins team hasn't been competitive in the East, you and I both know what pitching does to teams. It makes them stronger. It helps them win the close ball games. It makes bad teams into good teams. And I think that that's a situation that if the Marlins are building through that and you get the combination of Reyes and his speed and he stays healthy, Josh Johnson stays healthy, you combine that with the power of a Mike Stan and then obviously a Hanley Ramirez in that lineup, you know, your mind can wander as to the potential of this Miami Marlins ball club. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that I, I, I've listened to the talk shows all day and all last night about this trade and, you know, some of these so-called experts going on there. Larry, you and I have watched this team. We've been in, we've been in the locker room. We've seen them. We've talked to the players. You know, to me, I look at this on Brando. Volstead's a nice pitcher. He's got a lot of talent. You know what? But like you said, he never was – he never got over that hump. He never could – you know, get get to that point where he he was going to be that next AJ Burnett or that next you know possibility. And I kind of look at him as an AJ Burnett. If he finds it, yeah, he's going to be great. But if he doesn't, and he has not shown any signs since they've given him every opportunity in Florida, and I think at the same time, you know, everybody says, oh well, you you know. You're getting Zambrano for $3 million. You could have got Volstead for cheaper. Well, not really. The, the Cubs paid $13 million for him. Mm-hmm. I think the upside for the Marlins is much greater. And like you said, I think Zambrano with a change of scenery could come in there. And he is, if he is, even if he's not throwing 95, 94 anymore, he is a number three, number two pitcher. Could be a really big bonus, for I think, for the Marlins this year in that, in that pitching well, staff. Well, I think on this staff, he's definitely, he can slide in as a three. The beautiful thing about this whole deal is you see a kid like Volstad who came 
with what I would say would be Major League's version of the Midas Touch. He'd been almost trained by by longtime uh, Major League hurler Jim Palmer, so he came in highly touted in the Marlins organization. You know that he's rich with talent, but it just hasn't developed with the Marlins. And I guess if something's not working, it's not working. And I think the change of scenery will work for both of them. I think the upside to this trade definitely goes to the Miami Marlins because of Zambrano. It's even remotely stable and healthy. He's going to help this ball club with an already pretty good pitching staff. Uh, and now they solidified everything as far as the closer goes with this team as well. So, I mean, it's across the board. They've improved themselves in all these areas to walk into this new stadium and at least give the perception of being competitive from day one. And that's a good thing for the organization. I had an opportunity to talk to owner Jeff Loria uh, during the playoffs in Yankee Stadium. I think I told you the story. And, and, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I've been critical of you guys. I've been critical of why you haven't been up front and, and with, with some of the things that folks want you to be up front with. But more importantly, why you haven't spent the money on players or reinvested it in players. And he told me, you know what, these, these are good questions. And all I ask you is to stick with this team and watch us grow. I promise you that we've been working for a common goal, and the common goal is about to explode, and you'll see it happen right before you. I said, all right, let's see what happens, and let's see what happens is they went crazy. So um, I'm encouraged to see baseball here in South Florida. I'm hoping the public embraces it and continues to embrace it. It's a cozy park. You don't have the element of rain threatening a game anymore. Uh, and I sure hope that the infrastructure will, will support it in a way where they're going to average 35000 a game out there. That, that's what this team needs. That's what the, this community needs as far as baseball goes. Right. Now, we talked about the pitching staff. You mentioned the bullpen. I, we're going to come right back after this break. I want to talk a little bit about that bullpen, the improvements, some of the things that are going down there, and, of course, the rest of this ball club that – you know, going in on paper, like you mentioned, they're in a tough division at that, that National League East, but this is a team that I could be reckoned with next year. We'll be back in one minute with Larry Million of 940 Wins. We'll be right back. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Lawrence is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds 
Bart. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. We are back, and yes, it is the King's Corner, and I have my one of my friends and, of course, former – well, we weren't really colleagues, but we talked a lot of, on, on, on the show together, and uh, Larry Million of, the, of South Florida, of course, of 940 wins. Larry, we've been talking a little bit about the Marlins pitching, a little bit about what they've done this offseason. Uh, let's talk a little bit about their bullpen, a little bit about, you know, now they have this – they go out. They've been spending money. They signed a big closer in Heath Bell. Tell me a little bit about what he does to that bullpen and what there is around him to make sure that they can close out these games. Well, that's just it. I mean, in getting a guy like Bell, and, and I got to tell you that what you do there is you solidify something where you know a guy's going to come in and he's going to close the door. But, um, you know, they had someone this year that didn't do half bad either, even though we don't really know what his name is, whether it's Leo Nunez or whatever the case may be. He didn't do half bad, but he's nothing like a Heath Bell. So they've improved themselves in that as far as that goes. And some of the, uh, the characters around, uh, some of the setup guys and some of the, some of the things that they have going on, to me personally, makes them uh, much better as far as from the sixth inning on that bridge that you've heard me talk about so often. Uh, that to me is, is kind of a big deal with this team as well because they've, they've relinquished a lot of late inning leads in, in, in recent years. And I think that when you look at that, that's, that's part of the problem in Major League Baseball. If you want, you know, you want to have success, especially a team you want to make a good team into a playoff team. Uh, you've got to hold on to some of those leads. There's no coincidence that the Sandman, someone you know very well, did a great job of that, and those Yankee ball clubs kept on winning 90-plus games year in, year out. So I think what, what it does more than anything else is it's a pretty strong uh, rotation with the Miami Marlins, especially now with the addition of Zambrano. But a guy like Keith Bell makes you feel confident that back third of the game. A, a, a feisty team that can come back from behind and win themselves, but certainly way too many times have found themselves walking into an eighth or ninth inning lead and blown that lead because they haven't had the support of a guy as strong as he felt. So I'm telling you right there, there's an improvement with this team. And I think that uh, you combine that with everything. I'm excited to see Reyes running the bases, staying healthy, and making things happen. And, and, and guys like Mike Stanton get an opportunity to hit in that ball club, uh, ballpark where I, I see 40-plus homers in the horizon for a guy like that. And that's I mean, a lot of exciting things coming up with the Miami Marlins. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the offense. And we look at the names. You know, you get Buck behind the plate, Sanchez at first, Infante, Reyes, of course, Ramirez over at third base, Stanton you mentioned. Uh, you know, uh, let's see, Morrison's over in, in left field. The one big question, Mark, if I see this team and I look at it, is who's going to be their center fielder? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's part of the problem. They had, uh, they had piecemeal that one last year, uh, ending things with Mike Cameron. That's not going to be the solution to the problem. That's the one weakness. And I don't know if you can toss 
I mean, obviously you have a guy like Logan Morrison, but he's a left fielder. He's not really a center fielder. And, and while, you know, he didn't hit fantastic at 244 last year, he, he's a kid that has some power. He has some punch and he adds to the lineup. I'm, I'm interested in seeing where they're going to go, what direction, if they're going to go after someone, uh, prior to spring training or if they're going to go after one of the young kids and say, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity to come out here and play center field. Some people even flirted with the idea of maybe making uh, Ramirez an outfielder. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. The bottom line is, Hanley Ramirez, uh, if he could even be smart enough for a second to let his ego get out of the way, realize that at third base his power numbers will increase, he'll be, do a better job at the plate, because he won't be taking such a physical toll at shortstop. I, I, I don't, it's such a win-win situation for him. I just don't get where his reluctance to go to third base really is. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully, Ozzy can get him to run out the third every time. So that'd be nice too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting, Dan. Like I said before, I I find it very interesting that I look at the ball club, and of course, they're in the National League East. And Larry, as many improvements as they had, the much money they spent, where do you see these guys as far as with the Phillies and with the Braves? Well, that's just funny because my friend, you know, he's making fun of me. All that money, all that stuff, you guys are still no better than third place. And obviously I think they're better than the Mets, but don't snooze on the Nationals. They go out and get Gio Gonzalez, and they've done some things to improve that ball club. So I think it's, you're looking at the most competitive division in the National League at the very least, uh, and, and really we'll see this year whether or not uh, I'm not even going off the deep end of saying it may be the most competitive division in all of baseball. Uh, those Marlins can slide anywhere from second to fourth place there. Uh, big question mark with the Phillies now with Ryan Howard and his injury. Uh, I think the Phillies are still a great ball club because of their pitching. I think the Marlins will do far better than expected, believe it or not, because I believe their pitching will respond, and a combination of speed and power will help them win ball games that are seven to six ball games that don't necessarily involve the pitcher. Um, but somewhere, I really believe the Marlins, while they won't win that division, I, I, I can see them finishing in second place if all things considered go correct for them. Now, you know, like anything else, if health fails you in baseball, you know, you're no better than, you know, than the, in your last game, and you're going to be no better than a 500 club if you were a great team. So I look at that situation. If they can stay healthy, they're, they're going to compete for a wild card. Yeah, I think so, too. I, th- I think, actually, I look at the ball club and I say their pitching staff is that strong. If Ozzie Guillen can come in there and really take over and really get these kids playing, you know, even a, a level above of what they did last year, uh, they have a better offense, possibly, than it, the Philadelphia It's incredible. Phillies. Upgrade in so many areas, manager, pitching, closing, uh, you know, just across the board. They were more talented ball club going into opening day this year than they, than they were last year. Well, Larry, listen, I'm sorry that I'm not there anymore to enjoy this new, this new beginning, but I have a new beginning out here in Los Angeles with the Angels, and I'd be curious to see if maybe we meet, meet each other in the, in the World Series, possibly. That could be interesting, but I want to wish you the best of luck on your new show, of course. That is The Amigo and Diz on 940 Wins from 3 to 5 p.m., and of course, like I think you said, 940wins.com. You can, always, you can pick it up anywhere you want. Uh, Larry, best of luck to you, and I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. Hey, take care. Thanks a lot, Jimbo. Be good. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right. That was Larry Million, of course, talking about the Florida Marlins. And, of course, people, we have had a very good show today. I apologize for not being able to take phone calls and, of course, emails. But I think those two guests provided us plenty of information and plenty of things uh, to go along with that. But uh, next week, uh, I believe that we possibly have another 
the other side of Los Angeles, and of course that is the Dodgers and everything that's going on with them. Um, I am scheduling Don Mattingly as my guest next week. So, uh, the, of course, the manager and you know I was talking to him the other day about coming on, and he's going to join me next Friday. So stay tuned for that next week. And listen, this is it, man. 2012, the King's Corner. We have taken off, and everything from here on in is going to be more and more baseball talk. So. Join me next week, and I will see you then. We are out. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.